0: When you're selling online, it's important to remember that you're selling to everybody, which means that you are selling to everybody. When you build an inclusive brand that makes everyone feel welcome, you're telling the world that they are welcome to shop at your store, which in turn results in more sales. This week on the podcast, we're talking all things brand inclusivity, from size visualization to diversity of models and accessibility. We finished this episode by interviewing Marnie Konski, CEO and founder of Thigh Society, a model brand for inclusivity. Let's dig in. Welcome to
1: Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify. I'm Rian.
0: And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce.
1: how can merchants get more out of their Facebook Messenger and SMS marketing campaigns?
0: I recommend Octane AI, the leading Facebook Messenger and SMS platform for Shopify and Shopify Plus merchants. How does it work? Using their built-in flows, conversational ads, and retargeting campaigns, you can easily unlock Messenger and SMS as new revenue channels. The platform has ready-to-go integrations with top apps such as Klaviyo, Privy, Recharge, and Justuno.
1: What kinds of returns can I expect?
0: Merchants using Octane AI report 80 to 95% open rates, a 7x increase in click-through rates, and even a 7 to 20% increase in revenue.
1: This sounds great. Where can I learn more?
0: You can start a 14-day free trial by requesting a demo at octaneai.com or by visiting the Shopify App Store and searching for Octane AI. Good morning, Rihan. Good morning, Callie. How are you? I am doing wonderful on this fine Tuesday morning. How about you?
1: I'm I'm similarly doing wonderful. Um, full disclaimer: I am drinking coffee, not tea. But that's okay. You know what?
0: I actually had a conversation with my husband this weekend about finally buying some tea. So I think <laughs> we're going to buy some tea. Oh, what kind? I'm going to get. Um, I need to remember what website I was looking at. Um, it's like a like a sample pack. Oh, I love a sample pack. It's like eight different kinds, six different. Like I don't remember what they call them. We should I'm do a so tea tasting. Uneducated. We should Zoom. do a tea tasting. I think that's a great idea because otherwise I'm going to just fail at the naming of all things. Yeah, let's do that. Tea tasting yeah. will be something we do. Tea
1: tasting.
0: So anyway, finally going to actually introduce tea into my life. I love coffee. I'm always going to love coffee, but this is commerce tea. So eventually, I need to drink tea.
1: I my mom did buy me for my birthday an entire tea set. Uh, that's right she did it's it's uh, sitting over here it's really cute it's polka dot and with the cat my mom is British for those of you who do not know which is probably all of you (laughs) and she's like I you have to drink tea if the name of your pod and not just herbal tea like British tea so I also have some Yorkshire tea and okay I
0: have a question for you yes do you put the milk in first or second Oh, do you use milk? Uh, I, I do not like
1: milk. My, okay. my mom does drink hers with milk, no sugar. Okay. It's, I don't do sugar. Yeah. I And sometimes I'll have just a splash of milk. But that's more of like an evening tea thing as opposed to a, a morning tea thing for me.
0: I just remember... There were being some kind of debate around whether you put in the milk first or you put in the tea first. I I, don't know. And I don't. And I'm I'm sitting here talking to you, thinking
1: I don't know if I've ever made myself my own cup of like classic British tea. Even though I grew up over there, (laughs) I think someone was always made it for me. I feel (laughs) like tea has always just arrived, um, and it's always it's always how do you take your tea. And then I say how I take my tea, and then it just comes. Um, and then of course you have to have a biscuit because that's of course it's part of the rules. Yes. So next time we we record Kelly, I'll have my tea set out with my tea in it, and I will tell you if the milk goes in first or
0: second. The source will be my mother. Milk? Okay, I was gonna say the source I will didn't be my. I not think you are gonna change that. So okay, yes, please consult your mother. Yeah, and we can I, get an answer. I will
1: drink just a splash of milk just so we know. <laughs> Where does it
0: go and when and why? And we will have a biscuit to go with it. Perfect. <laughs> so this week we're talking brand inclusivity. Yes. And we I are. think this is something that is becoming more and more important. And honestly, it should have been important long ago, but it's finally getting the airtime it deserves. Yes. As Arlen so- Hamilton says, it's about damn time. <laughs> So inclusivity represents itself in many different ways on a website. Yeah, 100%. So like size, I think is going to be like size and diversity of models are going to be some of the the two most noticeable ones, I would say that people would think of first when you're thinking of diversity and inclusion on a website. So the, you know, representing different actual sizes of your models as far as what they're wearing, but also like different heights as well. I feel like Everyone's always like a 5'7 model, for example. Right. Like, Especially on women's clothes. 5'7", stores. 5'8", 100 pounds,
1: size zero. Yeah. Wears a size extra small. And you're like, cool. Um, yeah. I can't fit into those clothes.
0: <laughs> Same. So I think a brand that does a really good job of this is Third Love. And yeah. it's they sell bras. They're the only store that I buy my bras from. I love them. And they, I think they have over 80 different sizes of bras, which especially for bras is I think that's like a really important thing to do because there's yeah. so much variation in sizing. Like they even do half cup sizes, which I think is super cool. I, I'm i never not impressed
1: with the third love website, the advertising, every every part of it. Uh, And and you know what? It's like not performative inclusion either because I think it's important to point out the difference. Oh, totally. When when there's a a store doing performative inclusion where it's like, look, we have models that are different. You're like, oh, congratulations on doing the, the very least. And as opposed to your brand is being built around making sure there is something for everybody. Literally. And Third Love really knocks it out of the park with that. Agreed. I also, when it comes to both size visualization and diversity of models, am a huge, huge fan of Universal Standard.
0: Uh, Tell me about
1: Universal Standard. So I've been a fan of Universal Standard for a long time because they started as a extended line. Uh, but they started. I th- I think, and I might just be inventing this. I think they started as size eight plus. Now it goes from, I believe it's double zero. All the way up, and let me just click on this, so I'm I'm not just making things up. But it's like double zero up to size forty, I think. And okay, what's rad about that? And it's not like oh, double zero people, you wear this shirt, and size forty people, you wear this shirt. It's like no this is, this is a, a shirt that we are making in all of these different sizes. So everybody can, can have access to this shirt. Another thing Universal Standard does incredibly well is show all types of women and humans in their products. So uh, folks who are older, folks of all different ethnicities, um, folks with disabilities, visible disabilities, I, and they, they show everybody, and, and frankly, that is representative of the culture that we live in. We don't just live in a culture where everyone's like this 5 8 you know, double 0 model. We, we just don't live in that society. We, we live in a society that universal standards shows and I'm a major fan of Universal Standard because of it. For those of you listening I highly recommend going to their website, scrolling down and there's a video, by the way I'm not always a fan of using video on your page they do it exceptionally well and you see like a queer couple, you see um, just women having fun together, dancing around, I don't know, there's just so much joy on this page so besides being a brand that was built bottom up inclusive this brand also captures like I know what this brand is about and it's not performative this is real
0: another thing that's worth noting when you are creating products in so many different sizes it goes to you know it's obvious a larger size requires more material but they're not charging more for yes. larger sizes it's all the same size this this button down I'm looking you know, these are pants that I'm looking at Oh, she's also wearing a button down. Um, these pants I'm looking at, they're $148 whether you're buying double zero or you're buying 40.
1: And that's Doesn't matter. important because you don't want to feel, you know, no matter what size you are, you you are just as worthy as the next person. And Exactly. Yeah, I, I love Universal Standard for this reason. I, I hope y'all check it out and buy something. I I wear their clothes very frequently.
0: So what else? What are another, what's another way that uh, that's important to highlight?
1: Uh, another thing that is really important to me is having LGBTQIA plus representation and personalization. Uh, uh, someone who does this really really well is the Fluid Project P H L U I D, and I love so everything is non-binary on their store. So everything is gender neutral is just it's it's for everybody and their line and and Kelly and I always talk about like we want to know exactly what you're selling when you when we go to your store and it says up front the only online retailer where you can shop beyond the binary okay amazing you branded it you threw it in my face I love that and then when you go to shop there's all sorts of different things that you can buy and I, I love that. And, and the models, there's uh, trans models, non-binary models, uh, femme models, masculine models. So, uh, there's, there's just humans. Yeah. The models are human beings, and, and that, is,
0: that is important. I think the last one we should probably, I think that's definitely worth touching on, is accessibility. And I'd say this comes in... Two forms. One, the representation of models with disabilities, like visual disabilities. And two, just making your site accessible. Yeah.
1: I we can we are we need to do an entire podcast about accessibility because it's it's something that people are continuing to swing and miss on. But I can I I I know a lot of our listeners are thinking, Oh no, 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 my site's accessible. But is it really? and and it's you have to serve everybody you're selling to everybody when you're selling online and
0: it's it's really important i'm going to tell you something that is probably going to disappoint you if you happen to be using this service and i hope they don't get upset with me for calling them out but i know of a certain merchant who paid for accessibility okay and They're currently dealing with an accessibility lawsuit right now. It is so hard to get accessibility right when it comes to e-commerce specifically because there are no standards for e-commerce websites. It's a lot easier to accomplish if you're like a blog or a more informational brochure type website. But there are so many nuances to e-commerce and there's not – a proper standard for e-commerce websites so I definitely agree we need to do a full episode on accessibility yeah
1: absolutely
0: so I think this would probably be a really good point to introduce Marnie because Marnie is full disclosure one of my clients and she's wonderful but she I think is a really 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 solid example of how to run an inclusive brand (music)
1: Today we're talking with Marnie Konski, founder, CEO, and anti-chafing champion of Thigh Society, a niche undergarment brand offering moisture-wicking, breathable, and discreet boxer brief underwear for women. Hi, Marnie, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's thanks absolutely so much for much joining
0: better. us. Yes, so so. would love to kick things off with you telling us about yourself.
2: Okay, it's a pretty broad question, but I, um,
0: when I was a child, <laughs> I grew up in,
2: I grew, <laughs> I grew up in Montreal, Canada, but we will fast forward. Uh, I We live in Toronto. Um, and I founded Thy Society, um, 12 years ago, uh, basically out of a need for a product that didn't exist on the market. And, uh, I had always had an itch to be an entrepreneur, um, but never really, found an idea throughout all the years of thinking through ideas that actually felt to me like it had potential. Um, and I did a few entrepreneurial things um, in my teens. I was a math tutor and I had a little college tutoring business uh, throughout college. I sold some uh, arts and crafts at some you know Christmas fairs and things like that. But I knew I always wanted to start a business. I just knew I needed to think of an idea that actually that I could monetize. And so The idea came in July of 2008, where I was walking uh, on a very hot day in downtown Toronto on my lunch break from work, uh, wearing a skirt. It was one of the first warm days of summer, and my thighs started to rub together. And I realized that I hadn't put on any long leg underwear that morning, because um, in Toronto and in Canada, our our summers are pretty short and our winters are pretty long. So it can go, (laughs) sometimes it feels like we we don't have a spring. Uh, and the weather just changes overnight and suddenly your whole wardrobe changes and you've forgotten how you used to dress in the previous summer. <laughs> so <laughs> I realized, oh yeah, I forgot those black bike shorts that are sitting in my drawer at home um, that are that, that were the shorts that I was wearing every summer since. Um, tattered and, and shiny and stretchy and hideous, really. Um, but they were my go-to for underskirts and dresses. And so that sort of was the genesis of, of starting to think about where and why were there no long leg boxer brief underwear for women to solve, um, to solve that problem. But I know I just fast tracked right into, um, myself and entrepreneurship in the business, but, uh, a little bit of background. I I have a business degree from um, McGill university. I worked for seven years at a multinational consulting firm, um, doing a blend of, uh, recruiting and consulting and human resources management. And then, uh, worked for the government of Ontario for two years doing more strategic human resources, all things clearly related to underwear and intimate. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I really did not have any background at all in e-commerce or um, uh, apparel, retail, uh, product design, uh, sales, uh, none of that. Um, I really just had Uh, a need for a product that I couldn't find on the market and a curiosity that turned out to be strong enough to, you know, continue to pursue and and build a business out of. So.
1: So when you had this idea. Yes. You were like, my thighs are chafing. This sucks, which I I feel like most women (laughs) can absolutely relate to. Yes,
2: Um,
1: Like I've tried the deodorant trick doesn't work. Nope. Full disclosure, everybody, I own a couple pairs of Thigh Society and they are my go-to. Um, so, you know, but prior to that, I was like, deodorant, like, does this work? What, what's happening here? Then I tried bike shorts. They weren't quite hitting the mark. And then I don't know how I found Thigh Society, but I found it a few years ago. I was like, yes. So you had this idea. Mm-hmm. How did you then go from idea to concept to execution how did that all work
2: so um and also for just to start i have tried deodorants i've tried lotions i've tried cream <laughs> powders gel i literally have a box behind me you can't see i'm in my office at home right now and i literally have like 300 dollars worth of products in a box it's like the product graveyard because not <laughs> one has ever worked and i've always just thought maybe i just have extra sweaty thighs more than the average person, but for whatever reason, none of those products really work for me. And if they do work, it lasts for 10 minutes. Then I have to reapply. Um, but from a timeline perspective, the timing from the minute I had the idea for thigh society was in June of 2008. We launched our store, uh, on WordPress slash Shopify in July of 2009. So it took roughly a year from concept, um, to full blown product, um, to, to open our doors, uh, But what I did in the summer of 2008 was when I first had this idea, I started uh, talking to any woman I met and asking her, uh, asking all my friends, asking all my family members if other women had had uh, a similar issue of thigh chafing. Um, Women of all shapes and sizes, because I did believe um, right from the get-go, I knew from the get-go, having had my weight and size fluctuate over the years, that thigh chafing was something that happened independently of my weight and pant size. Um, it was literally a function of skin sensitivity friction and moisture and so my thighs were just more susceptible to chafing because of my skin and the conditions um, the conditions were right so I also at the time this is 2008 so the internet was around but there wasn't Instagram there wasn't amazon um, I couldn't I, I searched online for all the online stores I could like find with any keywords around chafing, chub rub, long leg underwear, I really wanted to see if something out there existed to solve this problem. It's not that I had the idea and went from idea to, I'm going to be start this company and, and make this brand. I really actually didn't want to get into garment manufacturing. Um, having come from Montreal, that used to be a, a very like akin to New York when you hear about the garment district. Um, in New York uh, Montreal had a very strong uh, garment industry and growing up I had friends whose families were, were in that industry and just always remember feeling like it wasn't something I wanted to be in it just feels it felt like it was really stressful a lot of work and you know who really wanted to carry like you know tens of thousands of units of inventory and sizes <laughs> yeah. and like all the things that I'm doing now but <laughs> uh, the initial reaction was I don't really want to do this so let me hope that I can find something online that will solve this problem. So I did my due diligence and my research um, online and I really didn't find anything. Um, There were a couple of yoga companies, that, like very small companies that I had ordered from and those shorts were always like, the fit just wasn't right. Either the waist was too low cut or the legs would ride up. Um, And there were a few companies that were catering mainly to plus size women, like size 18 plus, who were offering a similar uh, type of short, but still didn't have all of the things I thought a a slip short like Thigh society should have. Um, and at the same time, I posted in some online forums uh, for fashion um, and for, I think one was called actually Fashionista, um, which was also geared at plus size fashion, even though I wasn't plus size, um, just wanting to figure out if there were brands that I was missing out on that, that other women could tell me about. And at the same time was surveying people in in these chats of saying, if you could wave your magic wand, what would these shorts be? Um, look like? What would they be made of? What would they feel like? You know, what colors would they come in? How would the fit be? And I really spent the summer data gathering. Um, I also pounded the pavement uh, and started talking to boutique owners in Toronto um, who were more like specialty bra and lingerie boutiques and would chit chat with the salespeople. And sometimes the owner was there too. And just ask if customers would ever come in looking for a boxer brief type of garment that I was looking to create and um, sure enough they all said yes we frequently get these questions you know we really don't have any recommendations there was a one brand that was long gone that I think was from Greece that had been you know filling that niche to some extent but mysteriously disappeared um and so I really wanted to make sure that that I had um enough of an audience or enough of that there was a market there. At this point, I really wasn't sure (laughs) if there was a market for anti-chafing garments. And this is again, 2008, like I could pull up my, you know, I have a folder full of Google alerts and things like that, wherever the word thigh chafe or chub rub comes up. And it is full. I mean, back in 2008, I would say that people weren't really talking about this in, in the media and the news. It was, still considered somewhat of a taboo topic to talk about thigh chafing um, or it had been sort of relegated to these chat rooms in, you know, in the deepest, darkest internet or, you know, very niche, if you will, um, groups online. Anyways, I veered off on a whole tangent there, but. No, I'm loving,
1: I'm loving this because uh, the, the idea, just real quick to, to yeah. click on something that you just said of you have this idea, but you're like, I don't know about the viability of the product. So yeah. you set Google alerts. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: that's at the so time, smart. Brilliant. <laughs> that would be the way I would do it now. I, I did Google searches proactively. I don't even think I knew what a Google alert was in 2008, <laughs> if it existed. But one thing I'm really good at, and, be, and one thing I knew I was really good at, even before I had any experience in e-commerce, was I'm a very good researcher. So if you want me to find something for you on the internet, I will find it. like Or anywhere, pretty much. I I'm, I'm I'm, i won't stop till I find what I'm looking for. And I really set my mind to this goal of, please let me find a short, a long leg short that exists out there so I can buy it and not have to start this business. (laughs) Legit, that was my thinking. Um, Even though I was sort of, even though every step led me closer and closer to starting the business, again, I just had this weight on my shoulders of, oh, you know, being an entrepreneur sounds so good, but, you know, this would be a great idea. But then I have to go into manufacturing and apparel and I have to like learn all this stuff about e-commerce. And this is still like, this is two thousand and eight. I, I like to joke that I think I was probably one of Shopify's like first five hundred stores online. Maybe, maybe I was. Maybe thigh society was the first thousand. I'm not sure. I think.
0: I think yeah. So every store has a unique ID, and I mm-hmm. think yours is under one thousand.
2: Wow! So it's not cool. That's so cool. <laughs> that Shopify is so cool. Thousand stores. You think they'd be giving you the platform for free? They are not. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, no, if you're I'm listening. There. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Shopify. No. <laughs> at the time, my site was built on WordPress actually because you couldn't uh, buy themes at the time from Shopify. They were just literally the payment processor. Um, but yeah, so th- at the beginning, I really um, I had to be very uh, creative and curious. I would say I I also am an extrovert. I love people. I love talking to people. And as it turns out, I was uh, working out at a gym, and I used to do group fitness classes. And I started talking with a couple of my my, fr- my gym friends uh, about my idea. And as it turns out, uh, one of my gym friends uh, was the production manager for uh, Nike Canada. So he was, I had no clue. That's
0: so convenient. Right? Like, <laughs> and,
2: the, and the crazy part is we had been working out together like doing step this is like step aerobics back in the day when step was popular um we've been working out together for probably like a year or two but we never really hung out inside the gym and, and our conversations I guess were always very like superficial in the moment um not really getting an understanding of what the other person did so when he said that I you know I, I thought wow this must be a sign um this is like almost too easy um but he ended up making an introduction to this local factory. Um, and uh, luckily, they were able to work with smaller minimums, which is always a concern when you're starting, um, you know, any product-based uh, business, I think, especially when you're talking about clothing and you need different sizes and different, you know, what are you going to launch with? Is it going to be one style or more and colors, et cetera. So working with them um, and, you know, their in-house expertise, as well as, you um, reaching out to my network of people that I knew who had had experience in intimates and apparel, if they knew any local pattern makers, um, because at the time that this factory didn't have any pattern makers and essentially worked with the pattern maker and the factory to pull together our first prototype, which I remember getting around between Christmas and new year's Eve of 2000 and uh, of 2008. And so um, once we got the first prototype, we worked to, to size it out to a couple of different sizes to make sure that we could fit it um, on certain women and then then sort of to the next stage of, of design. And so that took many, many months. Um, I remember it was winter, uh, January through March here in uh, in Toronto, freezing cold snow, weather that's not really conducive to testing and anti-chafing long leg underwear. So I again reached out to friends and, uh, and friends and family and asked if people had friends in the U.S. who were in Florida and Vegas and sure enough, I ended up shipping a bunch of shorts to various samplers across the U.S. with, you know, questionnaires and feedback, and so we aggregated all of the feedback um, after testing it on women at the time from sizes small through to xl got the feedback, and then the remaining months were were spent um, working and refining the fit, and I think I skipped over the part about the, the fabric, so uh, I mentioned earlier that we needed to find, I, I was very um, set on finding a factory that could meet our minimums. And I was very fortunate that that factory was willing to entertain my very small minimum first order. Uh, and I also found a local uh, fabric importer who was importing um, like bolts of fabric from overseas and went there and, you know, ended up getting a bunch of samples of different fabrics that I thought would work for these shorts. And at the time we were looking at uh, bamboo cotton Um, and cotton spandex shorts. So I was buying fabric that was pre-made, and then buying that in, you know, a a quantity that would be adequate for our first order. And, um, then the fact, then that was shipped to the factory and they would cut and sew, um, the garments. And we've since, that was in 2009. So we launched with a, a very different product than what we have now. We now, our manufacturing now is completely different because we've moved to what's called seamless knitting, where we actually make our own fabric. Um, and there's, uh, there's a lot less waste in the seamless knitting process. And also the fabric stretches a heck of a lot more than you'll get with any cut cut and sew product. And I think that's why by society slip shirts are so awesome. And, um, they, they're so much better than what else is out there on the market because of the 360 stretch that we get through our, through our knitting process. But I digress. Um, (laughs) Uh, So yeah, then like I said, from it was winter. We were testing. We, you know, I I I was obsessed with with making sure that as many I could get samples on as many women as possible, even if it was meant them wearing it around their house. And then ultimately, we got a website set up. I hired a graphic designer. I hired a web developer. Um, and then we went live in July of 2009. And I had forgotten another piece, which was again, 2009. So Instagram, I, if it existed, I wasn't cool enough to be on it or know about it. (laughs) Um, But I did know that there were bloggers and I, and I, I did come up with a pretty hearty list of bloggers internationally that I felt were talking about fashion in a way that would, um, that it would make sense for them to try thigh society. And so I did, you know, what, what most people did in that day, which was you know, email, um, find a way to get in touch, uh, with these bloggers. I would email them, offer to send them free product and then keep my fingers crossed and hope that they loved it and that they would write about it and share with their followers. And sure enough, that happened. Um, I found an amazing blogger actually in, in, uh, in Australia who ended up writing about us. And that, that's how our, our, um, our business got started in Australia, mainly because of that, uh, one Inf- influencer is what she'd be called now, but uh, <laughs> she was a blogger then, and then did the same for, um, you know, a huge list, uh, of influencers, uh, then bloggers that I found, uh, in the U S and Canada. And so that led to, you know, um, us showing up, I guess, on when, when editors at BuzzFeed were looking for, you know, anti-chafe shorts, you know, would inevitably would take them to these blogger sites. And, um, mm-hmm. we got some of our very early press, uh, from Huffington Post and BuzzFeed, which was really cool. Um, I still get excited when we get press now and we're still always working to get more, um, to get, to get the I Society to be what better known because, you know, no one should suffer from chub rub. So... <laughs>
0: I just want to say I love how much research and planning went in before you even got to the prototype stage. I feel like so many people skip that step. They're like, yes, there's a need for this. I want it. So let's do this. Right. And then a lot of businesses end up failing. So it's so important to actually do that research up front. And I love that you spend so much time doing that.
2: Thanks. Yeah, I, I think it was the only way that I could uh, justify moving forward. And, and I had set aside a very small amount of money for this project. I'd set aside, I remember it was $8,000 that I launched the business with. And 5,000 of that, which is gonna sound crazy to your audience, 5,000 was devoted to the website design. Um, the implementation. It was insane because right now you could pretty much do that. Like, get a get some logo, clip art, some images, take some photos on your phone, and then like download a free theme from Shopify, and you could be up and running in like a couple of days. But most of my initial uh, spend was on uh, was on development for that WordPress site. And so, as far as the research piece goes, I made it my mission that if if I found any reason that I really shouldn't pursue. This business, like whether I could find another product out there that met all of my needs, um, or uh, you know it, that it was going to be too expensive to launch, or any uh, any number of excuses I could come up with, I I felt that the research kept pushing me along in the direction of of launching, and I also felt that I uh, was okay with parting with that initial, um, investment in the business. It was one of those things that I thought, if I don't do this, if I don't try it, I'll regret it. And in the grand scheme of things, this $8,000, you know, I'll probably be able to make it back in some form. So it was a risk worth taking coupled with the research that told me it was probably a decent idea, you know, never thought it would get to where it is now, but uh, it was enough to sort of, to start, um, to start researching and, and prototyping and yeah, launching
0: so I want to touch on the fact that you ended up getting a review from somebody in Australia. Mm-hmm. I imagine when you were first starting, you're probably not intending to figure out how to handle fulfillment to New Zealand and <laughs> Australia. How did you? How did you figure that out? <laughs> so <laughs> have you figured it out? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, yeah. So I would say if, I'm trying to remember if it was for the first. I've been doing the business now for 11 years. And I think it was for the first six years, I was doing all the fulfillment myself out of uh, my home office. So, how did I figure it out? I literally boiled it down to the basics. I uh, went online and found a packaging company where I could buy some supplies, some um, envelopes, you know, and um, different kinds of envelopes. You know, some were bubble wrap, some were poly mailers in different sizes ordered them all, um, tried to figure out uh, how many shorts I could fit per envelope, and then made friends with my local post office and (laughs) sat there and had them sort of explain to me, uh, coupled with some more research online, uh, about how the pricing would work for different weights to different um, countries. And so once I understood the cost, I worked that back to make sure that I would at least cover my shipping costs. I, I wasn't covering my labor costs back then. Um, so it really was a matter of doing buckets of, okay, if a customer orders two, you know, one pair of shorts and it's going to the US, it's going to cost me roughly X dollars to ship it. And then I did the same thing, um, like really like a very hands-on tactical uh, project. And once I came up with numbers that I was happy with, I ended up buying a little scale um, and I hooked it up to my laptop and I would pick and pack every single order myself from my home office with the boxes of product uh, behind me. And then depending on the day, I would sometimes it would be once a day, sometimes it would be every couple of days, I would march with a bag or two to the post office and ship my orders. And back then I didn't offer any shipping with tracking because I felt like uh, tracking would be too expensive of, of a service to offer. So I was just, you know drop it in the mail and pray that it arrived, especially overseas, which is kind of crazy now to think about. Cause I was shipping quite a bit to Australia, but you know what? Like it, it worked. I mean, it, I was keep, it was very affordable. It was probably around the same as what I'm charging now. And people were willing to spend, um, to spend that, to have it shipped. Now we offer tracking, but, but yeah, <laughs> it was very unscientific. And I think like, that's, this. Is, that was some of the painful, really, I would say, like hard, frustrating work at the beginning. Well, it, it's not even that it's hard, actually. It, it's more that it's just it takes time because when you're a solo printer at that point, no one else is giving you the answers. You have to go out and figure everything out yourself because there is no other product exactly like yours on the market. There, you know, So you have to figure out what is my product way? How am I going to fold it? What's the best way to fold it in this envelope so that when someone, you know, in the other part of the world opens up their their package and gets it, how is she going to not rip into the shorts, right? Because I was not using, at that time, any sophisticated packaging. It was literally, I had a hang tag on the shorts. I was folding them up and I was shoving them in an envelope. So you would open up the envelope and then the shorts would come out. So very, you know, (laughs) environmentally friendly, which, you know, we're doing that too, but a little underwhelming, I guess, in a sense, because there wasn't really any... Um, anything to like, wow, you just the shorts, which were impressive enough. Right. So (laughs) um, but yeah, that's that. I don't, I hope that answers your question. I don't think there, I would do it any differently now. Like I really don't think there'd be any way to fast track that process. It's, it's a bit painful, but I think when you're shipping, you have to really figure out, you know, what, what's this going to cost. And especially in this world now, where everyone expects free shipping. It's really tough um, for, for smaller businesses who aren't harmed Amazon, you know, to offer free shipping unless, you know, unless it's on multiple units. So yeah, I literally, I used to do everything myself and I was very sad when my local post office closed the branch and I had to find somewhere else to go and it was a huge pain, but you know, you make it work.
1: I love that you just made it work. And that's something that a lot of merchants, have to do but also struggle with doing Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to a merchant starting out right now who has an idea and and doesn't like top three things do these three things and like or three pieces of advice let's say I mean obviously the the first thing that comes to mind is research uh as we've
2: touched upon like I would say if you have an idea for a product Find out what what pain point are you trying to solve, and has somebody else already tried to solve that pain point, and how can you make it better? Well, actually, there you go. There's three. <laughs> right there. Just <laughs> up <laughs> that on the fly. Um, because just because something already exists, right, doesn't mean that there's not a compelling case for you to improve upon that. And in a lot of cases, you don't need to reinvent the wheel to have a great business, you know? I could one could argue that I took men's boxer brief underwear and and reinvented them for women although that would be an oversimplification but ultimately it's not like I invented a cure for cancer you know like y- you can think about something in a different way and especially as as consumers as you know we all have ideas for the products that we love to be better so let's see where did I start i said um research and see what else is out there in terms of the idea you have like look at maybe even complimentary products to try to get, um, some inspiration. Um, I would say talk to people to figure out specifically what problem you're trying to solve, because sometimes you might think you're solving a problem, but is it really a problem? You know, like are you overcomplicating something with what you're trying to invent or is it legitimately solving a problem? Um, and sometimes too, we can get stuck in our own heads thinking we're the only, we're the only ones. Um, you know, in the case of thigh chafing, I I'm very much you know there's no such thing as TMI for me. Like I will talk about anything you want. Everything's on the table. But for a lot of people, you know, talking about a rash between their thighs isn't exactly you know the first <laughs> conversation they want to have. Um, but you know, if, if you do have a pain point, in my case a literal one, but if you have a um, a figurative pain point, talk to people about it because these people might ultimately you know, be a representative sample of your target customer, and you want to be able to cater what you're, what you're making for that target customer. Um, and then I guess the third point was seeing how you can improve upon it. And so that customer research and that customer feedback from other people who have similar challenges to you uh, is going to help you build build in the best possible prototype and make continuous improvements to your products. And, you know, we continue to this day, to get ongoing feedback from customers about what they'd like to see added in the product line. Um, You know, what we've made those changes over time. You know, we've, we've, we've changed our, our, uh, the rise of our waistband Um, over the years. We've added new colors. We've lightened up the fabric. Um, We've done a bunch of stuff all through the direction of our customers. I mean, it helps that I'm also a target customer. And I feel like I'm, you know, the target woman, uh, one of anyways, to wear the products. But certainly we we always look to our customers for feedback. They have the most um, valuable nuggets to give us better than any, you know, market research that we can do. So
1: one of the things I love the most about your store is that your models are representative of everybody. And I think that's really, really important because I'm a curvy girl myself. And I don't often see myself represented in on screen, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So was that decision made hyper-intentionally? Was that just where the product went? What was your thinking behind that?
2: So um, thank you uh, for recognizing that. And that was very highly intentional on my part. Since you know, day minus 365, like since before I even launched the product. Um, it was important to me as I was having those early conversations and talking about the idea for this product. It was it was interesting that uh it didn't matter what weight or size the women were that I was speaking to. Um they they all in some form experienced chubrabb and knew what I was talking about. But by the same token, There were women who were also plus size, who had no idea what thigh chafing was from firsthand experience. They had heard about it, but they never experienced it. And women who were size zero or two uh, knew exactly what thigh chafing was and suffered from it. And so I knew, you know, having grown up with chub Rub and having had a very open conversation, you know, ongoing with my girlfriends about it and joking about it, that this was not something that had to do with your size. And yet there was a stigma around it um, mm. that tended to be weight-based. And that really bothered me um, because it's it just seemed ridiculous. Like why, first of all, why is this taboo? And secondly, why do people think this has to do with weight when it doesn't? And so I was very intentional early on that I wanted to offer the product in a very wide size range, especially since at that time, back in 2009, um, there really weren't any companies making these types of shorts and the few that I had found were either catering to an 18 plus, uh, like, like a plus size range or catering to like a size six to 10 range. And I wanted to blow that open and have a range that spend as wide as I could, uh, with a minimum order quantity that I could afford. And so I started with like a size small through a size two XL, which is still, um, you know, I think about it now and I think, wow, that was still pretty great that I was able to offer such a broad size range. We now offer extra small through size 6XL. Um, and that's a function of, of growth and being able to afford higher, you know, um, bigger orders. Also, the manufacturer we're working with now has different equipment and machinery that allows us to make our sizes, um, allows us to expand our range, which we hadn't had when we were manufacturing with our um, former factory. Um, but it really was... it's been my mission and before body positivity was even a hashtag, um, to help women feel like they could dress however they want and wear whatever they want in these shorts without feeling bad about themselves. Like I remember feeling bad about myself putting on my old bike shorts, not because I felt like I was overweight and this is why I needed to wear this product, but because the product was so like, it was such a crappy alternative. It's like, why can't I find something better? This is a totally normal, problem. I know other women of many different sizes who su- suffer from chub rug. Why do we have to put on this, like these old bike shorts as an alternative? Like surely we deserve better than this. And, um, you know, and, and that's why from the get go, I was very intentional about being size inclusive as well as inclusive, um, of course on, um, different ethnicities, And, you know, ultimately different ages as well, uh, because it's not chafing doesn't depend on your age, and different abilities, um, because women of all abilities also uh, experience chafing. But, you know, fundamentally, I'm a believer that you, we absorb so much media in our day to day, right? And we look at our Instagram feed, and a lot of what we're seeing is sometimes subconsciously sort of like going into our brains. And I think, The more you expose yourself to diversity of people that don't just look like one body type or one age or one ability or one ethnicity, um, the more you expose yourself to a broad range of beautiful bodies and beautiful images, the more you will start to see those bodies as beautiful. It's just, you know, it's just almost like training your brain in a way. I know that sounds very... um, (laughs) I'm not an academic, so I don't mean for it to sound like scientific, but I really believe that it's true. And I, I think that brands have a responsibility, especially when I think about my customer base, which you know I'm representing my customer base on my website, on our website. Um, that is not rocket science, right? For any company, you want to represent your target customer to make sure that she feels represented on your site. So that's from the business perspective. But just from the real world perspective, you know, I live in a big metropolitan city when I leave my house or when I used to leave my house um, (laughs) pre-COVID, you know, take the subway. I would be exposed to women of all, you know, who look all different shapes, sizes, races, ages, ethnicities, abilities. This is just this is why I love multicultural cities. And I wanted that to be reflected um, in our branding because our products, you know, are, are will work for everybody. So. I don't know if that, if that makes sense, like I'm thrilled to see that body positivity has gained traction over the years. I think some brands do use it, you know, to sort of jump on the hashtag bandwagon and to be seen as inclusive when they're maybe not really being inclusive with their sizes or with the models that they choose. And I still think there's a really long way to go um, in terms of continuing to represent, especially, um, you know, plus size models, women of color and women who are not um, women who are differently abled. I think there's still a lot of opportunity to continue to showcase those women in beautiful imagery that that's totally normal like so that we don't so that we stop being surprised when we're when we see an image of something we're not used to seeing where where we're used to seeing so much diversity that the diversity becomes completely normal.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I, I love it and I I hope we see more of it as yeah.
0: yeah. I do too. I have an interesting question. Okay. So it is technically, like the, the, the slip shorts are technically an undergarment. Yes. But we're also celebrating body positivity too. Yes. How do you think it has impacted collecting user-generated content for you, like videos and in, in photos from your customers?
2: <laughs> That's so it's such a great question, actually, because it, it's something we, we talk about constantly. So the short answer is some of our products are, are less see-through than others. Um, and so they might photograph like a bike short. So in some cases, we have customers who are styling our shorts with big like oversized T-shirts. And so it doesn't necessarily look like they're wearing, quote, underwear. But some have used captions like, look at me, you know, working out in my underwear. Um, when it looks to, to everybody else that they're wearing shorts. Um, and what we've done with, uh, you know, in, in what we've done recently is try to give examples of content that we've created that somebody who just bought from us can feel that, oh, I feel comfortable replicating that. Like, like I don't have to be sitting on my couch, you know, wearing these with no underwear underneath and just, you know, sprawled on the couch posing. It's like, you can do a totally cute, like little boomerang wearing a skirt and just lifting up your skirt and showing the shorts. Um, and I think too, like, as the brand has gotten more well-known and we still have a, a ways to go, but as the brand has gotten into more hands, and we've also started to send to more influencers. And so as people, so our customers or people on our social, uh, see other people uh, wearing the shorts in beautiful poses and pictures and outfits that inspires them to do the same. And so Sometimes people just need a little nudge or a little, you know, validation that, oh, okay, other people are doing this. There, there's no taboo. Like, yes, these are, quote, underwear. But again, like I said, we're not asking anyone to take, like, risque um, photos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also being part of breaking the taboo. Like, so what if you're wearing little shorts underneath your, you know, underneath your dresses? And I think, you know, if I could make a parallel, like, Thai society are totally not shapewear at all. Um, but if you think about even, you know, what Kim Kardashian has done for shapewear and and Spanx, they've really brought the idea of of Spanx and undergarments like that into the mainstream, where even, like, I remember um, back when, I think it was, I don't know, years ago at the Oscars, sometimes some celebs would make some comments like, I'm wearing 14 layers of Spanx under here, you know? And, like, oh, I think women are used to hearing a little bit about undergarments, right? So there's some of that taboo um, isn't there. But certainly it's definitely been, it w- had been challenging for us at the beginning to get uh, to get some pictures. And I would say also, just lastly, the bike short trend in the last couple of years has certainly helped because yeah. of for short. Yeah. People are like, oh, hey, get these bike shorts, um, even though they're really meant to be, um, or they were designed to be an undergarment. And you know, depending what you wear underneath them or not, um, you'll, you'll have to see the sheerness on your own body.
1: Our <laughs> listeners love actionable advice and you okay. are providing so much of it. And we could talk to you for so long and get so much more. So I, I think we should have you back on again. Um But in the interest of time, yeah, we wrap up every single one of our podcasts with store shout outs. So what store you're loving this week? And do you have a store in mind that you want to shout out?
2: So, I, I do, I have to say. Um, I I know your listeners can't see me, but I have uh, lots of, of dark, curly hair. And uh, it, I try to wash it only about once or twice a week. Actually, I, I lied. I try to wash it about two to three times a week. Um, and I shower every day. So, I had been looking for a shower cap that wasn't a super flimsy, crappy hotel, uh, you know, pharmacy shower cap. So, I'm going to give a shout out to a company called. Shower cap <laughs> and it's <about laughs> three H's, S H H H hour cap and they make stunningly beautiful, um, high quality shower caps and I I love their aesthetic. It's super clean, modern. Their designs are super funky. Um, the founder is a woman. Uh, she's based in Brooklyn, I believe. And I love how they are also, you know, breaking down taboos about hair washing um, and acknowledging that most people don't wash their hair every day. Um, And that's okay. (laughs) You're not dirty if you don't wash your hair every day. In fact, one could argue it's not good to wash your hair every day, but, you know, it depends on your hair type and your scalp, et cetera. So I love that. uh, I love shower cap, shower caps because they are functional and and beautiful, and they make great gifts. I've bought a bunch for friends and family, and uh, I'm a fan.
0: mean, you're a, a fan, fan too, right? I was going to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Our listeners yet are another, like, yes, of course, Rian also has this product.
0: It's yet another direct-to-consumer brand that Rian owns. <laughs> um,
1: and speaking of direct-to-consumer, my store shout out of the week <laughs> is Kind Root. And Kind Root we, Kelly and I were introduced to Kindred through Growth Lab, uh, which we host about once a month uh, in collaboration with the Shopify LA space that now, of course, has gone digital. So people from across the world can join in, uh, including, I think we're having one on September 24th. I think uh, so.
0: Whatever that Thursday is.
1: We do teardowns at the end, and people just post their websites in this chat box, and the chat box goes bananas. and I. I happened to pick this one. And A, it is so, Kelly and I didn't even have anything bad to say ab- about it. Not that a uh, teardown should be bad necessarily, but we pulled it up and we were thinking, this is beautiful. <laughs> and so we kind of, then you have to start nitpicking things apart because it's so wonderful. The product looks so great. I'm actually ordering some today. And it explains what aptogens are, aptogenic plants are, what the product is, why you want it. The assets they use are stunning. It's fast. It's responsive. It's dynamic. I just, I love the, the store
0: so much.
2: Check it out.
0: Kelly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful store. Yeah. So my store shout out this week is La Colombe coffee roaster mm-hmm. i've owned their coffee before like i've mm. i i was given their coffee as a gift actually from recharge i believe and i am not usually one to buy from facebook ads especially like immediately as they show up but they targeted me perfectly and they're like we now have pumpkin spice draft latte in <laughs> cans and I think it went from clicking on the link to hitting checkout within 30 seconds. You're like, yes. <laughs> I need this. So they should be arriving tomorrow, and I'm really excited to try them. But yeah, I mean, their, their coffee is great. So I'm excited to to try these draft lattes. Dare I say,
1: I also really like Glocko. Of course you do. Well, I went. They have they have freaking mortars in New York. I think pre-canning it, they had and they probably they must still have brick and mortars but before it was canned and, and shipped nationwide I, I went to their stores in New York and then I saw them locally in the sprouts when I still went outside and did grocery shopping I was like oh, La Cologne in Redlands California and then <laughs> so I'm just saying it's a great product the rest is history the mm-hmm. rest is history mm-hmm. so Marnie a very important question where can we find you on the internet so you can find
2: us uh, at www.thighsociety.com Bonus points for anyone who got the pun of high society made into high society. <laughs> uh, um, and you can find us on Instagram at thy society and Facebook as thy society as well as Twitter thy society.
0: I love the brand consistency. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Marnie, it was absolutely wonderful hearing your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. I'm really excited for everyone to hear this. Well, by the time they reach this point, they've already heard it. So, (laughs) hey, thanks for listening. And also, Marnie, thanks for joining in. (laughs) Thanks for
2: having me. It was super fun.
0: (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. And thanks again to our sponsors for supporting this episode. You can subscribe to Commerce Tea on your favorite podcasting service. We post new episodes every Tuesday, so grab your mug and join us. See you next week.
1: Clocked In is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockin.io or in the Shopify App Store.